Welcome to Escape the Earth. We are a sci-fi and fantasy podcast that is broadcasting from an undisclosed location within the San Antonio Public Library. We're brought to you by the San Antonio Public Library Foundation. My name is Tim. This episode, we're doing something a little different. We are going to be talking about the 2021 release of Dune, showing now on HBO Max and in theaters. There will be spoilers in this, so please, if you haven't seen the movie or read the books or anything like that, we assume that you have already done this. So just make sure, don't be surprised if you haven't. Don't write us you know, nasty letters if you get something spoiled, because I'm warning you up front, there will be spoilers. Today we have a few different members of the cast with us. I'm going to introduce first Alyssa. Alyssa, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, how did you uh, come into being interested in sci-fi and fantasy as a genre? What drew you to it? Well, first of all, hi, everybody. I'm really glad to be here, Tim. Thanks for asking me. Um, So what drew me into sci-fi? I cut my teeth on sci-fi. My dad is a huge science fiction fantasy buff. Um, So we grew up watching all kinds of movies and TV shows from every single franchise, Star Trek, Star Wars, Stargate, if it had a star in front of it, it was probably shown in my house. Um, And then all different kinds of fantasy, The Princess Bride, The NeverEnding Story, and Red Sonja was probably my favorite that got like tons of play in my house. I had that recorded and probably watched it until the tape broke. VHS, our first VHS reference. All right. (laughs) Nice to have somebody else who remembers VHS with us. And then next we have Mary Elizabeth. Mary, same question for you. What what brought you to sci-fi and fantasy as a genre? Well, I think I might have had a similar experience as Alyssa. I my my dad loved Star Trek. He would always watch it. Um, we're always watching fun sci-fi fantasy movies. Yeah, I love Red Sonia. I'm so glad that you do too, Alyssa. Um, I would always force my friend. She owned it. Uh, whenever I would do a sleepovers, I would force her to play it and now looking back I wonder was I only her friend so I could watch the Red Sonia that would be mean of me but now yes um I remember when I was really young the at my local library the children's section was right across from the new book sci-fi section and sci-fi fantasy section and my I, my first real meaty high fantasy book was by um Melanie Ron and it was the ruins of Umbrai. And and from then on out, I was just hooked and I needed to read all of the fantasy books. I just wanted to not, <laughs> I wanted to escape. <laughs> so, so I was just really into the to the high fantasy for a good long time until I realized, no, oh, you know, fun things happen on earth too sometimes. So <laughs> so so that's kind of where my beginnings are with with sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, I had I grew up with three brothers and and we all, they all were into the, into watching and reading sci-fi fantasy type books. So yeah, I think it was just a family, a family tradition. <laughs> it's a family affair. Yes. <laughs> and next up we have Marcel. Marcel, for you, favorite sci-fi fantasy author or work? Oh man. Um, well, nice to meet everybody. Um, it's really good to be here again. Uh, like Alyssa said, I'm, I'm glad that you, I was invited. But some favorites of mine, I have I have quite a few. It's hard to pin down one because, you know, you just 
your entire life there's just so many um but when i was a little kid in the in the sort of young fantasy uh very it's not necessarily a fantasy book but fantasy tropes um i really liked artemis fowl um that was a really a really good one i liked the sort of retelling of a lot of fairy tale characters and i really liked the sort of just this sort of weird techie underground version of of a lot of the things that we had seen before but not necessarily in this way and you know who, who doesn't want to be a rich super genius kid or whatever so you know why not um some other ones that i've read more recently there's a book series called themis files it has it consists of three books first one is sleeping giants the second waking gods and only human i really like those because they're not written i suppose in I guess the first person or anything like that. It's more in the vein of literal script. Uh, every single page is written as though it was a recording of a dialogue. Um, so all you get is dialogue between characters, and that's literally it. It's literally the files of the accounts of the story that's been going on. They find a giant robot hand. Then it turns out it's an alien. Then they get visited by aliens. And it's sort of a very semi-realistic take on what would happen if we discovered aliens on Earth. That one was very enthralling. I read all of them in like, ooh, I don't know, a week, maybe. They were pretty good. After that, Ark of a Scythe. It's a young adult novel. People can't die. There's a giant supercomputer in charge. And only certain people are allowed to let other people or choose other people to die called Scythe. Hilarity ensues. Not necessarily hilarity, maybe, but uh, fun things happen, and it's really cool to see uh, the impact of being able to imagine a world where, where, yeah, nobody can die, but overpopulation is still a thing. So how do we fix that? It's just, it was very good. Again, read read all of them very quickly. Shirley Jackson would have the answer to that. Shirley Jackson? Yeah, nobody... Am I the only oh, one the who's lottery. read the lottery? <laughs> oh, I read that in school forever ago. Oh, man. I hadn't remembered that at all. <laughs> Interestingly, like, you're the first person who's ever brought up Artemis Fowl. I also like Artemis Fowl. Um, oh. I, like, I like that he has a butler named Butler. That that was a very good, uh, good series. I enjoyed it a lot. I, I often recommend it as an alternative to Harry Potter or or things like that. So today we're talking about the uh, the new Dune movie, the uh, Denise Villeneuve. Uh, don't make me pronounce that three times um, <laughs> because I will mess it up, and I don't want to get I don't want to make him angry at me. Yeah, so stayed up until two thirty one night watching Dune, and uh, I enjoyed it. I'd like to get other people's take on it. As preparation, I watched the 1984 Dune, and I only read Dune really last year for the first time. I I do like sci-fi fantasy. It's primarily when I read fiction, that's almost all I read. But I feel woefully inadequate next to some of you because a couple of you have have done a lot of sci-fi fantasy reading. And so, yeah. Alyssa. Alyssa's done a lot. Mary Elizabeth has done a hand. Uh, quite a handy job of knocking out the uh, the entire genre too. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet, but that's a goal. <laughs> so They're just so long. So 
I I really liked the 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 book Dune. I I read it because I try to read a classic every year, and I saw Will Wheaton discussing it on the Great American Read a couple years back. I don't know oh. if you guys remember that program, but that was Will Wheaton's suggestion uh, was was to read Dune, and he read the uh, the little quote about fear being the mind killer and all that, and. Uh, oh. So I was like, you know, I have to read this. And getting into it, I just love the world that Frank Herbert built. Yeah, he really did a great job of building that that world. It was, it just kind of lingers a bit in my mind whenever I I dip my toes back into the to the to Dune, and I have a hard time wanting to leave it. <laughs> you can tell that it was a labor of love with him. I mean, oh, yeah. he he dedicated a lot of time and thought and effort into this. So really, he has built quite an amazing world. And I don't know that any movie could ever fully capture what he set up there. You'd have to, I mean, the first book alone, you'd have to probably break into five parts to get everything that he included. But I do think that the uh, Denise Villeneuve film did capture a lot of things that the David Lynch Dino De Laurentiis left out. Right, I I agree. I think I think Denis did a really good job of trying of introducing the world of Dune to to audiences. There were it was easy to get to to just let let that two hours fly by <laughs> and just be like wait wait we're not done <laughs> keep going. <laughs> but <laughs> when I was watching the movie, so uh, so I think he did a really good job of doing what he could in in two hours and what was it. 30, 40 minutes of uh, telling half of the story of the first book of Dune. <laughs> I, th- I think you're right. It was done a little bit. Well, I think Lynch tried his hardest, but he wasn't a sci-fi director and he knew it going into it, but he, he did. So Denis, I think, went into this knowing the world of Dune, knowing, uh, loving the world of Dune and wanting it to be a, a love letter to Frank Herbert. So I think that he did a really good job with that. Oh yeah, that David Lynch. I can't decide what it is about that about that film. I think he he heard that it was a space opera, and so he thought that meant soap opera in space. Yeah, <laughs> that could um, be it. <laughs> but I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's like you took your high school drama department and put them on a big <laughs> movie set and told them to act out this book. Yeah, um, <laughs> and go as crazy as you want. <laughs> right. Uh, Alyssa, have you have you seen the '84 Dune? I have, and I actually really like the 1984 Dune. And I know that's contrary to some people's opinion, but I grew up with it, and I love it. Um, I grew up with Dune. The first time I read Dune, I was nine years old, and oh, then wow. I read, yep, and I read um, Dune Messiah and Half the Children of Dune, and then I read Dune again in my twenties. And so it's been with me a really long time. Um, it's just been a part of who I am. We go back quoting Dune. I'm not going to even tell you how many years, <laughs> but it's just been a major part of my life. It's always been there. And um, I love David Lynch's film. I think it's wild and it's crazy. I love the music yeah. in it. It's Brian Eno and it's Toto doing the Toto. music. Toto, oh, no, it's great. <laughs> yep, yep. And I, I love, I love a lot about it. It's campy. It's over the top, oh, yeah. but I'm totally okay with it. Yeah. I think cause I grew up with it too. I'm in the same boat. I love, I, I get a little bit, um, upset with David Lynch not liking his own movie because I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, I heard he disowned oh. it. 
Yes, he Alan Smithied it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I didn't read the book until I was maybe high school or college. I can't quite remember when the first time I read Dune. Um, and I once I read Dune, I had to read all of them. And I think there was that resurgence when Brian Herbert was going to make write, write some more. I didn't read those. I haven't read those either. But, yeah, I was just like, well, that's, well, we don't really know <laughs> what Rick Herbert would have done with it once he got started. But, you know, I hear that they're really good and they give a lot more backstory. So, so yeah, I've gone back to to reread Dune several times, or at least Dune, and then maybe just the first three. I kind of like the first uh, Dune, Dune Messiah, and Children of Dune the most. And then I get kind of start getting confused in the story <laughs> when it gets to Heretics and Chapter House. <laughs> It gets really weird. It starts getting yeah. really weird in Children of Dune. And that's just where I cut out. I'm like, okay, it's just too out there for me now. So I, I have no idea how y'all did it. Oh, well, I don't know. I just kind of feel like the, the story is there. There's plot. There's there's motivation to for the characters. And, and I, I, I just, uh, it, it, it pulls me along. So I tried last year. I tried reading the book. No, I tried like three years ago. I tried reading like a digital an ebook and I, I could not it was so dense I could not read it yeah. and then I tried listening to the audiobook and after that um, just I had to stop I don't even remember where I stopped and I tried picking it up right back where I left off and I got seven hours in and it's the part where oh gosh um, I got seven hours in and it's the part where um Oh gosh, the father dies. The oh. Duke dies. Spoilers. That's really? Huh. <laughs> and I'm yeah, just, I'm like, so this good. is very dense. This is very, very dense. And I don't think I'm smart enough to understand what's oh, happening. No. <laughs> it, and it is dense. And you, you have to work right. for it. You really you do. And you're like, I read it when I was nine. And I'm like, I could never. <laughs> well, I didn't understand all of it when I was nine. You know what I mean? I took what I could. And then looking sure. back kind of in my 20s, I was like, oh, there's so much more here. And I'm sure if I read it today, I'd look at it and see a whole bunch of different things because you come at it from a different angle, depending on oh, where yeah. you are in life. Yeah, absolutely. It's like watching I, old, old Bugs Bunny cartoons. When you're a kid, yeah. they're funny for one reason. When you're an adult, they're funny for another. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I tried watching some YouTube videos explaining it and the amount of videos there are is just ridiculous yeah. but I was just like oh my gosh I just there is so much there because when you sound it out I feel like when you tell the plot of the story it sounds like every other sci-fi book out there and I'm just like I know that's not the case but I just can't get to that part of it I don't know I liked <sighs> I liked that someone made it into a movie for me, and yeah. I should go back and watch the 84 one. Um, I might like that one better. Right. There's also the sci-fi TV series that does go a little bit more closely to the book than, than David Lynch's does. And you get to see some of the intrigue that, that the book has and that the 84 couldn't quite capture. And, um, and Denis Villeneuve has really... Yeah, he, I think he, he was able to show us some of the intrigue and the plans within plans that are happening. So, so yeah, so the sci-fi TV series might be something that, 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 that could be a way of uh, getting, introducing you to the world a bit. Well, I did take extensive notes on the movie and uh, 
that was one of my notes. I'm like, I felt like this should have been a TV show. So mm -hmm. if there is a TV show, that it might be have, worth looking into. It might be worth looking into. It does have a problem with, uh, with, with the, the CGI. <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it, it does kind of break it down a little bit more. So, yeah. Yeah, and then in the 1984 film, it, I mean, if you look at other sci-fi things from from that era, what do you have as a frame of reference? Like Flash Gordon, mm -hmm. I mean, very very campy, also, but still, you know, one of my favorite films. And a super yeah, but, soundtrack there by Queen. Yeah, that's right. I love that soundtrack. They had to. They had to get it. They had to get Toto. Yeah, they couldn't. I, they couldn't afford they couldn't Queen. Let, they couldn't afford <laughs> Queen, but they couldn't just let it slide by. I, I think like Patrick Stewart, that's probably his one his one movie where every time he seems sees a meme of him carrying that pug into battle against the Harkonnens, he's like, <laughs> I had a near perfect career and now I have to do Uber Eats commercials with Mark Hamill. <laughs> oh gosh he has some other terrible stuff out there there's some um 80s vampire movie that my dad was telling me about the other day when we were talking about patrick stewart and dune i can't remember the title of it now it's something that horrible sounds, looking oh, that no. sounds familiar for whatever reason oh boy did y'all like the movie i guess is is a is a good question because i'm gonna be the odd one out i'm gonna guess but i do want to know what y'all what your your likability rating of this movie is oh i was gonna say i think it's great i loved it i'm ready for the second one bring it on <laughs> there might be some issues here and there like i would have liked to have seen the the dinner scene but i understand why maybe for time they wouldn't they couldn't put that in there i think it tells the story it introduces this the story of dude and introduces paul and um uh very well and his relationship with his mother and oh his the, the family environment of the Atreides household. So I enjoyed it, but I don't know how much of that is colored by how much I already know about Dune. But I, also, I think it's just a, objectively, I think I liked the visuals. I liked the color palette. I liked how foreboding the emperor feels and how how terrifying they made um, the, the Baron. Like he's just plotting and manipulative and and you're like, ooh, he's gonna be, he's a, he's a good villain for the film. And I, and I haven't seen the Beast Raban. So like, oh yeah, I would be scared of him. <laughs> I would not want to walk, walk, walk down the street with that man. <laughs> so, so I did, I, I don't know how much of it is because I already know the story, know where it's going and, and have grown up and loved it. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> I had some I had some critiques of it. I loved a lot of it and I hated some of it. Honestly, I did not know it was a part one. So I got to the end and I was like, where's the rest? I also hated the score. I hated the music so much. I spent the whole movie trying to ignore it. It was so distorted. No. Yes. It was not so, the war bagpipes. It was so discordant. I could not stand it. I was like, this has got to get better. This has got to get better. And it never got better the whole movie. And I think there is that, that sound, that blah sound, that kind of like always is in a lot of movies these days. That, That's um, Hans Zimmer. Hans you can't oh, hate so, Hans Zimmer. It was so off-putting <laughs> for me. I just it was very, it was it. very, it was, it was super strange. It was these weird tribal chants and then war bagpipes. I, I noticed it for sure. I don't know that I hated it, but I can see why you would. I mean, it, it fit the movie in some respects, but it also just it was very jarring and disturbing, which I'm sure was its intent, but I didn't want that. 
Right. Hey, you got to bring back Toto. Also, Marcel, I should point out to you that if you only made it to where Duke Leto died, like the most interesting parts of the book happen after that point. <laughs> um, that was about halfway in the movie. Yeah, that, so that's like all set up for the for the second half. So anyway, I, I liked the movie. There were certain things like they didn't do a good job of explaining the Mentats and the whole anti-computer thing because they're, yeah. they use yeah. Mentats because they're against computers. Computers are outlawed, yeah. right? Something like yeah, that. Well, yeah, it's, it's against, it was the... it's so against society to have a, a working computer. It's not even taboo. It's just unthinkable. Yeah. It's right. the Butlerian Jihad. Yeah. AIs yeah. rose up. Right. So that was one of the things that I found really interesting about the book. And um, that's also why there's such reliance on spice, because the Mentats all use spice and the Space Guild use spice to be able to bend time. And so that was sort of glossed over, I felt. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, yeah. The space where they got from, they just kind of were like on Caladan and all spacing and then on Arrakis. Wait a second. Wait. <laughs> yeah, they totally just smoothed over the guild and didn't quite talk about it. And I was really hoping that they would talk about how Paul, or not talk about it, I'm sorry, but that mentioned how Paul is also a uh, mentat in training as well. And and that wasn't, that cause just kind of adds to his mystique for me, I think. But um, oh well, we can't, <laughs> can't have everything, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I, I felt like they glossed over a lot of stuff, namely you know, the spice. I don't feel like, like you were saying, they glossed they glossed over the Mentat explanation. I feel like they glossed over a lot of some of the more um, impressive abilities with what spice can actually do. You know, if you don't know what's going on. And you're just like, oh, well, Spice lets you be psychic and see the future and stuff. And that's it. And you're like, okay, why is the Baron floating? You, you know, it's things like that. They don't explain oh, that. They don't explain that, yeah. They, yeah. It's like, what what is going on here? And it's like, another thing that I really didn't feel was, and I think it's because they omitted, like you said, the dinner scene, uh, as well as the, uh, I guess, the the oasis near the beginning of the book they didn't really touch on how important water really was like they mention it but i didn't feel that if that makes any sense i agree with that totally they i think they did not emphasize the water aspect of it which is hugely crucial right there were some mentionings of it where the the um that one man was watering the palm trees and then of course the spitting scene but you're right mm -hmm. there was not as much emphasis on how dependent they are on water uh, as, as opposed to how they are not dependent on it on Caledon. <laughs> yeah, the juxtaposition of the two worlds wasn't really explained. I just say it's super necessary for the turnaround that happens later. Mm -hmm. When you find out they've oh, yeah. been hoarding, all the Fremen have been hoarding all the water of Arrakis and they're getting ready to terraform everything. Right, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, what? <laughs> I oh, didn't make it that better, far in the book. All the right. <laughs> now I got to get to the second half. We did oh, say yeah. there were spoilers. That's, the That's best fair. Part. All like right. I'm excited. Well, you know what? It makes sense. I was like, how do you come on? How are you all alive? And like, you're telling me that giant, giant worm, which we need to talk about that scene. But you're telling me that giant, giant worm 
like doesn't use water to be alive like come on that's that's a bit well, incredulous well there's not water like just underneath the uh, underneath the surface they're they are hoarding the water, so they're like in cysteines that they've they've cached away. So yeah, the the worms don't rely on water at all. Actually, they become when they start terraforming Dune, they the the worms start to become extinct almost. So it, oh okay, but but you're right. You know, like when they have the uh, Paul Paul has his face off with that one guy um, in the Fremen um, Janus. Jammies, yes. They don't really show, like, they take Jammies, and when you die in the Fremen culture, they basically break your body down to its water component, and you go into the cistern to to help the tribe. And, you know, there. I think there was a part in the book where Gurney Halleck is among the Fremen before he's reunited with Paul. And, uh, gurney's trying to drag one of his wounded men uh along and the fremen are saying no he's just going to slow us down you have a water choice to make Mm -hmm. and basically saying let's kill this guy take his water and and be gone they they don't show anything like that another thing that i felt this one did better than the 84 one was explaining the role of the ben gesserit but still didn't quite go far enough in explaining, right. that, you know, the reason the Fremen okay. refer to Paul as Lisa Nagyeb or whatever it is that they say is, is because of the Ben Gesserit seeding things. I mean, she right. does yeah. say that, but I feel like it's easy to miss unless you know you're mm-hmm. looking for it. Right. That yeah. was something they had to, you had to infer in the book, I think much later on. And it's like, oh, that's like a big deal and it's very integral to everything that's actually happening and there's some other things that are like that they mention that lady jessica is not married to the duke in one scene in the movie and that's it and it's a much bigger deal in the book yeah it's just little things like that i wish it was a show they could have (laughs) done they could have fit it all if it was a show and yeah. I think you found the quintessential tension of Dune and Dune fans through the years is that it is so huge. Every time somebody tries to make a movie or a TV show of it, they fail in a lot of aspects. It's just so humongous. But it's hard and it hasn't been done to a lot of people's satisfaction. Maybe if they did it like HBO did it, Game of Thronesian style, and we got eight, uh, eight seasons, we might get a full picture of Dune and all the nuances. I heard that there is going to be a, I think it's, they're going to, I think it's going to be about the sisterhood of Dune, the, or the, um, the Bene Gesserits, a, a TV show, I, maybe on Prime, I'm not sure. So maybe we'll get more, but I don't know how many people who go to movies are going to be wanting to, to dive more into this world and go watch it on Amazon. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do agree that there is a lot left out. And, but I've, we've also for so long wanted to see this book done justice on the big screen. And I think Denis did give us that because, yeah, I, I do think he did give us that. Though. Right. I, I acknowledge the challenge of it. And I think, you know, I think he was up to the challenge as up as anyone could ever be. I, I think he did a good job. I, he brought me into the world, at least part of the way. 
a bit further than Lynch and De Laurentiis were able to do, you know. And I think uh, I think Lynch felt bad about casting Kyle MacLahan in in the role of Paul, and he said afterwards, "I'll make it up to you. I have this other thing I'm working on. It's called Twin Peaks. It'll be great." And uh, I don't know. Am I the only one who's seen Twin Peaks too? I I tried uh, again. It's very to say it's Lynchian is an understatement i tried i could not i don't know i don't know i just couldn't yeah sorry tim i have not seen twin peaks yeah, I, have, I haven't either i do know about it i do i did see some episodes but i'm like it wasn't my cup of coffee <laughs> <laughs> i i watched yeah. it and I'm, I'm glad i watched it but i don't want to watch it again yeah <laughs> so, the first few episodes are very slow I, I do sometimes. I, I did watch the documentary of Jodorowsky's Dune. I am glad it didn't come to fruition, but it would have been amazing to see. <laughs> did anybody have a favorite part in the film, or a favorite, or a favorite portrayal, a favorite character? I think my favorite part was were the ornithopters. The ornithopters were awesome. Oh my gosh, those are so cool! I love dragonfly stuff, man. It's so good. Oh, that's they did a really good job with the designs. The whole aesthetic of the movie I thought looked very generic from the trailers, but it they killed it. Oh, they did such a good job. Yeah, I loved all the tech. All the still suits were great. The hunter seeker was great. The ornithopters, the carryalls, all of the tech pieces, the thumpers. I love seeing all that stuff. I thought they, had, they did a great interpretation of that. I was really glad to see Duncan Idaho get a little bit, get more, <laughs> get more screen time than he did in the 84 Dune. He's so important to the story of Dune that you don't get that in the 84 Dune. So I was really glad to see Duncan Idaho shine through. I was going to say, I, I liked Duncan Idaho's death. It was a very noble death. Yeah. I did not. I was like, why wouldn't you just leave with them? You can offer more protection that way. I just was like, why are you, why are you dying? He's not a major character to me. And he was not a very engaging character to me in the books. He's always just kind of out and about doing stuff for Duke Leto. And so I just, I don't know. He's never been a character that I engaged with very much. And I did not, I was just saying, I did not love Jason Momoa as I don't oh, no. know, as Duncan Idaho either. Um, it, yeah, I don't know. He just, he just, he's, he was too great. much like um, he was in Aquaman, too tongue, too tongue in cheek, a little too jokey for me. And I feel like that role is a bit more serious. So I didn't, I didn't think he, he didn't pull it off the way I would have liked to see it go off. He's so he looks weird without a beard. Oh yeah, he did look weird without a beard. But he's so important later on. I think in God Emperor of Dune is where his character really does come come back to um to to be to change the story of of dune um let's see i think he comes back in i think they bring him back in dune messiah or maybe it's children of dune where his his character is brought back as a clone and uh, so later on he has he has more of a diplomatic he's not so much the warrior even though he is a warrior he, he's not so much the warrior that i think where duncan Hido is important to the story so I, I've always thought that the 84 didn't quite show how important he was to the Atreides family and how much of a fantastic fighter he is. I don't know. I was, that was my favorite part. So. <laughs> I will say also that Dave Batista is a huge step up from the guy who played Bluto. 
Yes, yeah. Ron, yes. Yes, he was yeah. great with Yvonne, yeah. He, he I, just I, really showed the, um, the fanaticism for being a Harkonnen and how much he wants to please his uncle. It's, it's great, yeah. What do you think of the absence of Feyd Rauta? I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm hoping he, that he's not completely taken out of the story and that he's shown later on in the part two. I was fine with with Dune. I really liked it. I really liked the movie and I'm going to watch it again and again and again. <laughs> so I was fine with, with Fade not being in this part. I suspect he'll be in the next part. Remind me who that is because a, a problem I have. Go ahead. Oh, well, he wasn't in this movie, but he was the, the nephew that that the Baron is trying to train up to replace him one day, but oh, yeah. So Fade, I thought that was Fade Dave is, Bautista. So no. okay, so the Baron has two nephews. He has the Beast Raban and he has Fade, and he's doing. He's like it's like a political maneuver. So Beast Raban, the um, the Baron is having him be mean and awful to the people so that they hate Raban, so that he can then get rid of Raban and bring in Fade as like a hero Harkonnen. Okay. Because I was very confused. I was like, I did not, I, that was one of the things, I was like, I did not get a lot of the Harkonnens talking to each other. And if that's a completely altered scene, I can understand now why. It took out a lot. Like we didn't even really know Piter. They didn't introduce Piter as Piter. He was just that Mentat on the Harkonnen side that dies quickly. <laughs> So yeah, there is a lot of the Harkonnen intrigue that we don't see on screen. Peter DeVries, I mean, he he was not a huge character to me in the book. I mean, he's the one who ultimately plans the downfall of the uh, Atreides, but he is gone relatively quickly. And the other thing that I would like to see a little bit more of is why there is this animosity between those two groups. Yeah. They don't really yeah, reference and that maybe, at all. But yeah, there's no explanation of why do these two groups hate each other? Why are they the, what are they, Capulet and Montague? <laughs> what is, what is, what happened? What's the inciting incident that made them enemies? Other than the Harkonnens are mean and evil and, and the Atreides are well-loved. Yeah. yeah. Well, the lords of the Lambsrat are cutthroat. That whole society is totally cutthroat. And Arrakis is the, like, it is the most valuable planet in the entire universe. And so they want it, you know, but they do have a hundred year feud also. And they don't explain that. I think they gloss over it just a tiny bit in the movie. When I was watching it, the person I was watching it with was like, what happened here? Why do these people hate each other? And I'm like, okay, you have to wait for it. We had to pause with the South and explain it's like they have history. Right. And I had to do the same thing, uh, stop and explain to my wife. Well, like they don't like each other because their grandfathers or something like, wasn't it the Atreides grandfather had um, gotten the grandfather Harkonnen kicked out of the Landsrad for something? And yeah, remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember maybe. that. It might, maybe it's in the Brian Herbert books. Or maybe it's in the Encyclopedia of Dune. I'm not quite sure the background of, of, of it. I want to say I read it in a footnote of the version that I read. Why mm-hmm. why they didn't like each other. Right. And um, yeah. And yeah. Just, I think that 
the the dispute between them. I feel like there was a scene where they were talking about oh great grandpappy Atreides. They could have brought it up somewhere in there, and you know it's like well my dad told me that you know I I would have to do this, and then you're gonna have to do this one day too, and it's like all of that. I feel like they could have just slowly meandered to that point, or they could have explained it to. I feel like we didn't have enough new characters, if that makes any sense, for all of the exposition that we did get to really flow. I think they did a lot of telling and not showing for certain scenes, and it was a little confused because it's like, well, everybody here should know kind of what's going on. And I would expect them to. So I was just like, why are you telling, like, you're explaining your son, the Je- Benny Jesserit, but he's been doing this for forever. Like, why? I just, I thought it was kind of strange here and there. But I can understand a lot of the book is inside the plot, which isn't necessarily actions that are shown or things that are spoken. And it's a little tricky to pull that off. So I can totally understand where things, why things happened the way they did. I don't know. What about the action scenes? What do you guys think? This movie much better portrayed the uh, the Harkonnen invasion uh, mm-hmm. of Arrakis, the Harkonnen take back of Arrakis. Right, yes. The 84 one was just like very confusing. People are running everywhere. Patrick Stewart's got his pug what what is happening but but this one you know you could follow like okay they they've set them up to fail they're going to come back and and sweep in and take it back because once the spice stops flowing they know that the rest of the lands rad will turn against the atreides and and they'll have support for this maneuver Oh God, we never had somebody say the spice must flow. And I feel like that was such a crucial part of that. 84, we never got that in this the spice must flow. It'll we it'll come in the second movie. <laughs> I can only it. hope. <laughs> yeah. We also didn't get the repetition of doom. Wait, was it Arrakis Doom Desert Planet? <laughs> oh yeah. There was some cheese, oh. some quality cheese in that other version. Yeah, there really was. Um I think my, I was, I really liked how that Harkonnen invasion was portrayed. And you got to see that the Atreides weren't just wimps, <laughs> that they were really fighting those Harkonnens and, and, and would have won had the Sardaukar not come in. Like that scene where they're on the staircase, you can see them holding back. They're outnumbered and they're holding back the Harkonnen soldiers. It's not until the Sardaukar come in that, that the Atreides are defeated. Yeah, I like those scenes with the Sardaukar. I thought they looked awesome. Yeah. Although there again, like, what's with the Tibetan throat singing? I think they're just trying to show how how tribal the Fremen are, and how how I don't know how visceral the the life will be on Dune. Maybe that's why they're <laughs> they're doing the. It's what happens because they don't have internet. <laughs> right. No computers. Right. They have to make their own techno sounds. Oh, you, you, there have, are some you have to ask your mentat to look up restaurants near me. You should look at Dune Prog Rock if you want some techno sounds. <laughs> now you know. Now you know. <laughs> um, I really like the scene with the worm 
at the at the the action scene at the beginning where they were trying to save all the people from the carrier. I thought it was so cool. I was like ornithopters plus this. I think this movie did scale really well. You know, it's yeah. The worms are massive, and like the destruction of the destruction of their colony when the the Harkonnens attacked was like it felt really big like much bigger than I feel other action movies kind of portray these kind of things. It felt real and open and big. Yeah, and it was just ground. like, this is so cool. I was very here for that. I was super, super excited for that. I did like the flight through the sandstorm as well. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that was done pretty well. And I like the way they did both the shields and, and the voice. Um, oh, yes. Those were done very well. I agree too. But of course, you know it's unfair to measure that uh, or hold that against Lynch because, like, right? You, he worked well, with what he had. You can't work have hold him to other sci-fi at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those were almost our. It looked old even when he did it then, and then there was. All, I mean, Star Wars was out. He was going to be tapped to do to do. Um, return of the jedi <laughs> so so he had no excuse <laughs> he could have not shown anything and just had like you know, flashes of light like somewhat like they did this time around yeah overall so final impressions i think we're we're coming up on time here seven of ten uh more if they fix the score <laughs> <laughs> I saw it in the theater and I think the grandiose nature of it was, was really appreciated in theater. So I really enjoyed the movie. I, rec- I recommend watching it. There's just so much. There's so, I, could, I could keep talking about it. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a very good movie that I did not like. I had, I had too many problems with it. And I think what Alyssa mentioned earlier that my frustration is that there's so much of the book that this feels hollow in comparison and like this is not remotely touching on all of the important aspects i think that was too much for me to really sink my teeth into it i think it's a really good movie if you like big action movies go watch it in theaters because the the rest of it the talking the political intrigue i didn't think was there so the action scenes are definitely worth going to watch it in theaters um I did not like it, unfortunately. And I'm about where Alyssa is. Seven or ten. I like it better than The Lynch, but not better than the book. The book is always better. It's always and, better. Yeah. And that that's about where, where I'm at as well. The score didn't bother me, although now that I thought about the throat singing thing and the war bagpipes, I'm kind of, maybe the score did bother me more than I realized. I really spent a lot of time trying to ignore it. I really, I was holding out for, I mean, because I didn't know it was two parts, I was just holding out for it to, you know, for those scenes in the desert where they're riding the worms and like how it gets so epic in that 84 version, holding out for that. So maybe in part two, they'll make up for it and we'll have some really cool, uh, some really more cool war bagpipes. More, more war bagpipes. I'm hoping, I'm hoping not. <laughs> That was really almost the 84 version where they're riding the worm. If you put that right next to the Flash Gordon scene where he's on his little space scooter with the Valkyries flying around him or, you know, 
they're like identical scenes. I can't help they're it. Like, I love the camp. I love the camp. So anyway, that's that's what we have for you today. Next month, we're going to be talking about uh, Project Hail Mary, and uh, that's by Andy Weir. And we'll also be discussing Wheel of Time in a similar fashion to this, the, uh, the Amazon Prime release. If you have a chance, please, I want to tell you thank you for listening, of course. Rate, review, and subscribe if you have a chance. If you want to write us, you can contact us at sapl.escapetheearth at gmail.com, all squished together like one word. If you want to view our book list or participate in discussions online, we have a Goodreads page. That's again, SAPL Escape the Earth. So yeah, lots of ways to contact us. And as I said, next month we'll be talking Project Hail Mary and the Wheel of Time. Escape the Earth. Escape the Earth.